It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, and welcome to episode 188 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. We're here today with our regular crew, myself, Lester Munson, a senior fellow at NSI, Jamil Jaffer, NSI founder and executive director, and Jessica Jones, world-renowned crime fighter. Today, we're going to discuss the first public hearing of the House Select Committee on Competition with China chaired by Congressman Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin. Uh, this committee does not have legislative jurisdiction. It can't move bills through Congress, but it can have hearings. It can conduct oversight. It can shine a spotlight on various issues and things of concern. And Chairman Gallagher has, in fact, said that he views the purpose of the committee as educating the American public about the threat that China poses to the U.S. across any number of issues, whether it's surveillance, uh, economic competition, the issue of, uh, China, of Taiwan and the possible military invasion of Taiwan by China. Uh, so a whole host of issues uh, contemplated by this committee. They had their first hearing last night featuring witnesses such as H.R. McMaster, the former National Security Advisor, Matt Pottinger, notable uh, Deputy National Security Advisor in the Trump administration, who really did a lot of the intellectual work behind turning around U.S. policy towards China from embracing to a much more competitive footing. A lot of interesting things happened at the hearing. There were some protests from uh, peacenik types, Code Pink, uh, worried that uh, a lot of this talk could lead to war. So they're there to say they're against war. Uh, some other folks raised the possible issue of discrimination against Asian Americans because of the China policy. That's that's an issue that could be discussed. But one of the things H.R. McMaster talked about that I think we should focus on at least a little bit is how the next couple of years are going to be turbulent in terms of China's relationship with Taiwan. There's going to be a presidential election in Taiwan in 2024. The presidency will be uh, will be open. It's an open seat because the current president, Tsai Ing-wen, is, uh, is term limited, so she can't run. It's possible Taiwan selects, uh, and I want to use this word a little bit, a little bit cautiously here, but an independent-minded uh, president, not necessarily someone who's going to push for independence, but who is not going to be embracing reunification with, with the mainland. That could be seen as provocative in Beijing by the Chinese Communist Party. They may feel compelled to act or see an opportunity to act. Also, there's going to be a presidential election in the United States in 2024, in case you all didn't know that. And uh, a lot of people from the outside see our politics as turbulent, chaotic, and perhaps an opportunity for them to act. Uh, it's a little bit shocking for those of us on the inside who uh, embrace our politics and love the the back and forth of disagreements between the two parties and all of the wonderful name calling that is likely to ensue in the next uh, 18 months. In any event, China could see these democratic processes as being uh, signs of weakness when, in fact, they are not. These are actually the great strength of the United States and Taiwan. Uh, but we could be seeing provocative steps taken by China that the U.S. might have to react to. There's the question of U.S. military involvement in a conflict over Taiwan, for which there is great ambiguity. There's a lot of people on different sides of that question. Unclear what the U.S. would do exactly if China were to act against Taiwan. But we could be facing those questions sooner rather than later. So, folks, I want to throw it open for a conversation about how this uh, this initial hearing kind of sets us up for the conversation over the next couple of years over China and the U.S. approach to China. Jamil, what's your what are your thoughts about this hearing? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think less the main takeaway from this hearing is that there is bipartisan uh, concern about the threat that that China poses to the United States, um, and that uh, that they all recognize that these members of Congress all recognize that the U.S. needs to continue to shift its policy. Um, to address that very real, very real concern. I think the harder question, though, is are they succeeding uh, or can they succeed in convincing the American people uh, that China is a big enough concern? And 
even if they can convince the American people that China is something of a threat and that it's not just an economic challenge, but a national security challenge, um, how do they convince the American people that they should care about what happens in Taiwan all the way across the Pacific or that they should care about um, they, they should get TikTok off their phones? All right. Um, how do they convince the American people um, that uh, China is uh, not just a country that might cut us off from PPE, but it's about critical minerals and about um, and about, uh, you know, semiconductor supplies and that we need to invest in the United States and build up relationships with our allies in the in Europe and, and Asia, Japan, Australia, you know, um, uh, India. The American people may even be convinced. Right. And I think they will be successfully convinced that China is a threat. But the question is what to do about it. And can Congress, even with the special select committee and with bipartisan agreement, can Congress convince the American people without the president leading on that effort? And that's a hard question. And look, Joe Biden's been pretty forward leading, as was Donald Trump on China. So I'm not saying the president can't help here, but can Congress really shift the needle? And I think that's a harder question. Jess, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. To Jamil's point of the challenge of convincing or informing the American public about the threat. I mean, I think if I was on average, I think, you know, most people did not. Well, I could say most Americans did not watch the hearing yesterday if they knew it happened. And so they're reading about it if they or if they choose to read about it in the news today. But I think one thing they might think about is like, OK, if I did watch this here, what are the main takeaways? What, what's the main threat? Like, what what do I need to be worried about? And it seems like from everything from the hearing, it's like boiling the ocean. There's, you know, a list of here's the 15 ways that we need to be afraid of China. Here's the 15 different lines of efforts to confront this nation state. If I was the average American, I you know, with my bandwidth, I'd be like, pick one or two that I need to care about. But, it, you know, I, we can't be... I, I don't know if we can sustain attention on all these fronts I, for the American public, not to say that that's not what the committee itself, you know, needs to tackle economic, military, human rights issues. But I think they're going to be hard to convince the American public on, on the threat on that many levels. You know, I, I take your point, Jones, on, on the American public. And I think uh, but I think we we do need to be a little grounded here in the fact that uh, there's there's going to be exogenous events here or external external factors that are going to be pushing politicians, no matter where they are in the White House or in Congress, to take action. The, the balloon incident was, of a month ago was instructive. Uh, people very upset about uh, what, what was very likely a Chinese surveillance uh, device flying over our country and the administration appearing to do not much about it until it had gone all the way across the country, of course. Uh, and, and I think the White House took the lesson from that and started shooting stuff down indiscriminately uh, over over Canada, Alaska, over uh, the Great Lakes, and uh, we kind of got ourselves in a silly situation. So the point here is, if the administration is kind of laying back or is on its back foot and waiting for and, and trying to manage the relationship, you know, leading from behind was the phrase in the Obama administration. I think the Biden administration is a little bit susceptible to that as well. And so even though they've taken some tough steps in certain areas on tariffs and things like that, uh, they're, they're, they're being pushed into taking action by events on the ground and also by Congress. There's a real opportunity here for Congress to lead. Mike Gallagher sees that. The China committee sees that, I think, in a bipartisan sense. They can really move the needle here on, on policy. And the White House is going to find itself uh, reacting to pressures from global events and from uh, members of Congress, which is, 
you know, not necessarily the way this is, desi is designed to work. The president ought to be out there taking the lead and, and setting the agenda, and Congress should be reacting to that. I think what we're seeing here is actually the, the reverse. But I think what I think is interesting, less on that point, though, when we have some distrust or some distrust amongst the American public, whether it comes to Congress or the executive branch, the president, whoever seats, whoever's in power, is actually like who might be dictating what the American cares about? China. They, we shot down a balloon. That that brought Americans' attention, the average Americans' attention to the threat of China, right? If China actually, and we talked about it earlier this week, if China sends lethal support to Russia, that's a misstep on the part of China that's going to get Americans paying attention in a way that nothing that President Biden or Congress, whatever hearing, is going to draw attention to the American public. China makes a mistake. I think that is actually going to be driving attention. And and so, you know, I think that's a really interesting point here to see to see if American follow, you know, following what China's doing. So, Les, I think it's interesting that you think that um, Congress shouldn't lead this one. You're normally the advocate for Congress being out front and getting really edgy on foreign policy. You always acknowledge the president has a leading role to play, but it's, I think it's interesting here that you're not, you're sort of skeptical of Congress's ability. And Jess, uh, you know, likewise, I think you're, you tend to be more sort of willing to like, you know, see what the government's doing and see them leaning forward. And now you're like, well, the events are just going to drive everything. I think you're both right that the president has to lead and that events will drive things. That doesn't mean that Congress can't play a, a, a lean forward role and that the, what the select committee is, is doing isn't critically important particularly if they start to go out to the field and start holding these hearings out in communities across America. And frankly, look, people may not have watched the, the select committee's hearing last night. They're definitely going to hear about it on the news today. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, you know, guys, the, the, the American public doesn't always read the New York Times, or the Wall Street Journal. You know, they're reading they're reading USA Today. They're watching CNN. They're watching Fox News. They're watching MSNBC. And this was the lead story on a number of those channels. All right. We're going to leave it at that. That's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Aga Khan from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.